0: You're listening to Insights at the Edge. Today, my guest is Christine Stevens. Christine is a modern-day troubadour who introduces people all over the world to musical expression in the form of drum circles. She's the director of music therapy and wellness programs at Remo Drum Company, and through her own company, Upbeat Drum Circles, Christine has led music and wellness seminars across the world. With Sounds True... Christine has created a home study course called The Healing Drum Kit, which includes two audio CDs of guided instruction, along with 24 study cards, a guidebook, and a Remo frame drum. Christine has also written a new book with Sounds True called Music Medicine, The Science and Spirit of Healing Yourself with Sound, where she presents an information-packed resource filled with scientifically-based practices For accessing and attuning to the natural healing properties of music. In this episode of Insights at the Edge, Christine and I spoke about how we can tune in to the rhythms of our body and the rhythms of life. We talked about the four elements of music, rhythm, melody, harmony, and silence. We also talked about what we're missing by being consumers and not creators of music. And finally, we talked about Christine's own journey from being a performer to being a reformer. Here's my very musical conversation with Christine Stevens. Christine, you introduce a model in your book, Music Medicine, that I had never heard of before. And it's the model of there being four different aspects or elements to music. And so I have two questions for you. One, if you could just briefly explain the model. But secondly, I'm really curious if this is an original model, if you came up with this yourself.
1: Well, the basic idea is that we think of music as these notes on a page um, in terms of musicians reading music. And what I find is music is more of a circle to me. It's more of a feminine, a symbol of whole, holistic, holistic, and I've studied a lot with Native American teachers. And the idea of the medicine wheel has four directions and four elements and there's four seasons. So it seems to me that music is so much a part of nature. It's who we are. It's what's all around us that it resonated to me more as a circle, as a system that weaves together these four elements, much like the elements of air, fire, earth, and water. To me, that's how I envision music and how I experience it as a healing aspect. Um, And the model may feel original to me, but I have had such a great time in writing this book, researching the spiritual depth of music and finding interesting seeds, like breadcrumbs were left for me to look back and see, oh yeah, they were saying the same thing. These are the writings of Hasbeth and Icon. Um, Paramahansa Yogananda. It didn't seem to matter what religious tradition I was looking at. There was, there was a resonance of the concept of the four directions and the correlations that I find, like rhythm with the body and melody with the heart and harmony with the soul and silence with the mind. And what I really found interesting was in my own life, I mean, I've had a real interesting background as a multi-instrumentalist I haven't just been on the rhythm path although I drum a lot but I also play saxophone and sing and I also Mm. play harmonium and I also most recently have really learned to honor silence that was really kind of my growing place Mm. and all of that resonates as a sense of being around me And that's the concept of the medicine wheel is like it's not that the divine is separate somewhere up in the ethers hiding in the clouds. It's like it's around us. You know, we live in the medicine of life Mm -hmm. and nature. To me, that's how I hold music. And I think that idea came to me through a moment of kind of a mystical awakening of the music of myself. And that's what I'm calling the inner music, that center point. So in all circle models, that kind of cosmology has that inner direction, the fifth element, mm-hmm. which I love the word quintessential because quint is five. It's that fifth element, and it's us as the human instruments. Mm-hmm. And I really had an experience of hearing my breath and as if I was hearing a soundtrack and feeling like, wow, there's music in just in my life force. There's music in me. And having that sense of myself as the music, instead of me, the one who plays the music, I think I went more inside it. And that developed this um, teaching.
0: hmm Now, these four elements, rhythm, melody, harmony, silence, can all of music really be explained or can all of music really be covered, if you will, by those four elements? Is that it? <laughs> Does that cover everything?
1: I think so. And I think then also we are an element of music. Yeah. Because really when you listen to music, you can really tune in to different elements. You know, and I find that that's how music works as a music therapist and working with wellness is that there's certain aspects and I bring out more depending on the need of the group or the need of the individual. And then the interesting thing is when I look at those four elements and I listen for those four elements... I can certainly hear that culturally speaking, you know, indigenous tribal cultures, more drumming and more melody. Um, Western European develops a lot of harmonies. Um, Eastern traditions have a lot of appreciation of silence. So I think that this covers music in a way that's holistic, but also connected to the mind, body, heart and soul. Mm
0: -hmm. Now, it's very interesting to me when you said that you were listening to your breath Mm -hmm. and you could feel the music in your breath. And I'm curious to know more about this idea of being music, just in our experience, how we are music.
1: I think that in that moment, um, I fell into something in myself, like the heart song that people talk about. I really heard it. And I felt that inner hum, that vibrational life force. And those aspects have been really scientifically looked at and spiritually looked at. That um, Rumi, the great poet, says, we've fallen into this place where everything is music. And there's teachings of some, from the science perspective. One thing I found interesting was how hard it really is to find absolute silence. You know, you have to go to one of these um, deprivation booth chambers, an anechoic chamber, and when someone sat in there, for 40 minutes, they still heard two sounds, and those were the sounds of the body, our neurology, our heartbeat, the blood flowing in us. Um, When you really start to think of it as a metaphor, life is rhythm. You know, we sleep and wake to a rhythmic cycle, and we talk and we interact in a rhythm. The speaking voice is a melody. Hmm. What communicates meaning is prosody, the prosodic sound of our voices. So we have it in us. We might not think of ourselves as musicians, but to quote um, George Leonard, he said, we don't make music, music makes us.
0: Mm -hmm. Now let's say I want to hear more the music that's just naturally happening when I'm not doing anything. How would you suggest I go about that so I can really tune into it in terms of these four elements? Or what would you suggest?
1: Yeah, I think it happens in the awareness of the body has the rhythm. And when you start to notice, even when you're walking, that you entrain to a beat. And when people walk together, they actually start to fall into a beat together. So when you start to have a musical awareness, and there's a lot of practices in the book, in fact, each of those aspects has an opening practice that has to do with rhythm awareness, just building your awareness. I'll tell you that it really starts to become like a practice of ear training. As a musician, we were taught ear training. And that was learning how to hear dissonance or harmonies or intervals. Well, what I find in this personal growth movement and spiritual movement is we're really in an ear training mode. It's not just what we see, it's how we hear. What are we listening for? Am I listening for the beauty? Am I listening for the music of life? Or am I just hearing the chaos and the dissonance and the, and the inner thoughts? Mm-hmm. You know, but all around me in the morning is bird singing. What a beautiful song. You know, just one I love to do is one of the practices of going into nature and listening for the songscape of it and then harmonizing with it however you want. That doesn't mean you have to sound like a bird, but just kind of sitting in it and being in that musical soundscape.
0: Now, of the four elements, I just want to be honest right here that for me, intuitively, I get a sense of rhythm. You use an example in the Music Medicine book of just even listening to the rhythm of brushing your teeth which I liked. I mean, mine would be a kind of crazy rhythm, brushing my (laughs) teeth, but nonetheless. And I get melody and the melody of the human voice, and silence I feel very comfortable with. I think harmony is the one for me where I'm a little bit like, I don't even really know how to explore that, and I'm afraid that if I tried, it would be not harmonious. (laughs) How can I explore harmony?
1: Harmony, one interesting thing about harmony is that life wants to harmonize. I mean, really, there's a a motion in music towards resolution. So when you hear dissonance, you hear resolution. It's a way to explore harmony is to think of it as relationships. So the harmony is two notes coming into relationship. So in our lives, it's wherever we find that sympathetic voice with someone else. It's a person, we even use this phrase, right? I really resonate with that person. It's we're finding a harmony with them. And then the way to harmonize in life is to find, listen to what's happening and add your voice to it. And the story of where this really was pointed out to me was when I was working in Iraq, and I went to meet with the Kurdish Musical Heritage Center, and a gentleman there was playing an instrument I'd never even seen before called the tar, and I had my Native American flute with me. And he started playing his instrument, and then I reciprocated by playing mine for him, and it was probably, each of us had no idea of each other's scales. And I thought, these don't even fit together. Well, we were encouraged to try to make music together. And what happened was, what it required was very instructive to me about how to harmonize. First, I had to stop and close my eyes mm-hmm. and listen to him. And I noticed that I listened better when I closed my eyes. And a lot of what gets in the way of harmonizing is not being able to really listen. Mm-hmm. So I had to stop, you know, really hear him. And then I gradually would play my flute, and there were adjustments that he had to make to the notes. But the result of that was this blend. And that's what harmony is. It's blending in a way that's beautiful and pleasing. In harmony, the result of that was both of us going, wow, we just co-created something unique. This is someone I couldn't even speak to, right? Totally different languages. When we finished, there was a sense of connection that it's kind of hard to describe, which is why I think harmony has to do with the soul. Because it was as if we, our souls had just had a conversation that had nothing to do with words, that had to do with deep listening, connecting, finding a unique spot where we could match, and then finding our own voice within that. So harmony is like a lot about sensitivity to the whole, but being yourself. Mm-hmm. I think harmony is actually the direction within music medicine that is where we're going on the planet. I mean, I think that this is the time of harmonizing, that not it's not about being individualistic, it's also finding how we can co-create.
0: You know, I want to talk more about that in terms of this future of music medicine and how your work can impact social change, but before we do, I'm just thinking about these four elements in one's individual's life. I'm starting to attune to them. As I'm talking to you, I'm starting to think, huh, maybe all music can really fit into these four categories, and I'm listening for them. How does that change me? How does that help me? Why do I care, actually?
1: Well, a lot of it has to do with resonating with this vibration of beauty and Hmm. good Hmm. and connecting to that which is already within us. And when we discover that, what I find for people that come to my workshops, and a lot of times they're actually music teachers or they're, they're people who've had sometimes de- definitely suppressing messages around their musical creativity. When they discover that, they start to sing. I mean, they start to notice that they're in the shower humming in the morning or that they're more consciously choosing the music in their car on the commute to work or they're more consciously allowing silence in places where it's needed to give space in life. It becomes a teaching and a practice that actually has a lot of practical implication. It doesn't take a lot of time and effort to fall back into this because we're really just remembering who we are.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So I think it completes us in a holistic way and builds our creative voice. And that transfers into anything. It's not just about musical creativity. It could be finding your creative writing voice. You know, to me, music is about awakening people. It's about bringing them into that vibration that is just waiting to happen.
0: Mm -hmm. One of the points you make in the book that I think is really important is how in our contemporary society, we're more comfortable being consumers of music than we are creators of music. And I'm wondering what you think we're missing by Mm -hmm. being consumers and not creators
1: think we're missing finding ourselves. And it's interesting to me that songwriting, what I discovered in the research, is that songwriting is an instinct. Children... Mm, t- say more about that, yeah. Well, six-month-old babies are inventing songs. They're composing sounds. Even at two, age two, kids are writing songs. And if you've ever been around a two-year-old, you've seen this, right? Where do you think play songs come from? So kids are always singing, so then why do we stop thinking that we can write songs? Why do we stop being the ones who express our music and we only listen? So when I talk about the ocean of sound in the book, I'm talking about this bi-directional flow. I think it's beautiful to listen to music and be a consumer of music, to be a conscious consumer of music. And that's some of the music we've presented that accompanies the book, but also That's only half of the picture. That's the in-tide. What about the out-tide, how it comes through us? To me, that's the expression of the unique person. When we improvise, and I found this in the research, we really actually express a unique part of ourselves. We express in our the brains of musicians light up and activate an area that is thought to be the seat of consciousness. So that doesn't happen when we're listening.
0: Can you say more about that, what this research is and what's lighting up in the brain when we improvise?
1: Sure. And the idea of improvisation, which I love that the word improve is included in that word. So when we think about improvisation, it's an in-the-moment creative act, where there's really no right or wrong because it's your expression. So this is very freeing for people. In fact, I think all of music education should start this way. Instead of reading notes, we should be jamming, like Hmm. in most places in Africa, (laughs) <laughs> hmm. But the idea of this study was really creative. They looked at functional MRI results mm-hmm. of musicians playing rehearsed music versus improvising their own creative ideas. When we create, when these musicians improvised, the special area of the frontal lobe is what lights up, what gets activated. That's the same area, the medial frontal cortex, which has to do with your personality. It's what lights up when you tell about yourself. And it, simultaneously, what was deactivated was areas of the frontal cortex having to do with monitoring and judgment. So literally, our, to manifest our own creativity, there's a lot we have to turn off.
0: Mm-hmm. It's more about
1: what we have to undo, what we have to let go, is how we can turn off those things that stop us from really expressing our true voice. And I think that's really what we're here to discover is who we are, what's my voice, where do I resonate? Do I feel more rhythmical? Do I feel more melodic, more connected to the silence? You know, we have our preferences, and we want to bring that forth.
0: No, it's interesting, because what I hear you saying is that by starting to really consciously listen to rhythm, melody, harmony, my capacity to harmonize, and silence, that from doing that, my own unique expression will be more invited forth. And so I'd like to understand more how those two things connect, because I'm very interested in helping free people's unique expression, my own and, you know, wildly, passionately. So what's Mm. the connection there?
1: Well, I think the connection is that as we give ourselves more and more permission to explore these areas, these four areas that we've been talking about, we start to discover more about ourselves. We start to surprise ourselves And we sometimes come to a place of tearfulness, because what I've been noticing in my workshops is people are often surprised at what creativity lies inside them. And I mean, I've worked with so many clients over the years as a music therapist and in so many countries that I keep repeatedly seeing that once somebody lets go of whatever that resistance is, and they put it forth, and it usually doesn't happen in a music room, You know, it happens in a jam where you're supported by others. I think that's Mm. the place where it really, the cathartic thing happens. Mm. You know, it really does make a difference how we go about discovering this in ourselves. That it's not beating ourselves up, that we don't have the technique. I mean, I talk about in the book, it's about permission, not perfection. Mm -hmm. It's about creativity, not complexity. Mm. Um, If we gave ourselves permission to know that just humming a note is being musical, just toning a pitch... He's being musical. You don't have to be an opera singer, you know. If we understand that, we begin to find that voice. That voice in music is the wordless place. You know, this is the place when we talk about at the edge. I think of music as at the edge of language. Hmm. Because what I experienced that day in Iraq, for example, was that words communicate thoughts, but music communicates energy. Hmm. And I think when we discover that in ourselves and bring our voice forth in these tools, we also now become part of the dialogue that I hate to say it, but the West is behind. Most countries are singing, dancing, weaving together, bringing music into their lives. And when you look at the statistics on happiness globally, countries and cultures, it doesn't have to do so much with the richness and the financial gains. It literally has more to do with how we are. How we are being, how we are how we are, I would say, nurturing our creative spirit. And to me, that's something that I want to activate more in people, and for them to become um, inspired to do that in their lives, with their kids, with their communities. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take long to sit and hum a note together with a community and harmonize and it takes a short time to see a great result. The other interesting outcome when we make our own music, is that we bring in three aspects that are documented as health outcomes. Mm. First of all, there's exercise. You know, when you listen to music, you're having a great time, but when you sing, you're breathing deeply and it it slows down your exhale. This has actual physiological benefits to you. So there's an exercise component. There's a component of social support and camaraderie that doesn't happen when we're just listening. And the third thing is self-expression. I mean, this has been documented in a number of excellent studies looking at why journaling works, Mm -hmm. because I'm writing about myself. Well, I'm journaling when I drum, whatever drum beat comes to me.
0: Hmm. My drum journal.
1: My drum journal.
0: (laughs) Now, you made an interesting comment that I think seems sort of intuitively obvious, that here in the West, we seem behind. There's a drummer who worked with Sounds True, who said to me once, you know, here in the West we're God's frozen people. And I think he was just trying to make this comment about how it doesn't seem to be part of our culture. Yeah, to move and groove. And So what has happened to us, Christine? <laughs> how did we land in this situation?
1: Well, it's interesting because I've been tracking that too. I used to look at the fact that in the 20s, they had these hootenannies. And my theory was we stopped building homes with porches. There used to be places where people got together and jammed. You know, we've lost um, like our music courts, like our playgrounds for musical continuation. But there's a change happening worldwide in terms of right now the drum circle movement has been a growing interest. Um, ukulele clubs are springing up all over at the moment in surprising places. What's that about? You know, people want to get together and be musical together. Mm -hmm. So we're reactivating our musical spirit. We're rediscovering that. And certainly as we continue to see more and more cultural integration in America, I think it makes sense that, that this kind of musical harmonizing and weaving is happening and more opportunities to make music.
0: you're listening to insights at the edge produced by sounds true if you're interested in listening to previous episodes of insights at the edge they're all available for free in a searchable database as part of our new direct access membership program for more information please visit soundstrue.com forward slash direct access and now back to insights at the edge Okay, so as someone who finds themselves, unfortunately, somewhat frozen, not totally frozen, but a little, a little frosty, one of the values of your work is you introduce dozens and dozens of practices that people can use to thaw out, if you will, (laughs) and to thaw into a sense of rhythm, melody, harmony, and silence. And I wonder if you can just give us one practice for each of the elements that might turn us on.
1: Sure. And I think that the idea here is from moving ourselves from resistance to resonance.
0: Hmm, Nice.
1: So I'll show you the four aspects through instruments and invite you to experience conscious listening through connecting the example of rhythm. Feel it in your body. You know, when we really give ourselves the chance to understand that we have hearing, not just in our ears, you know, our bodies love to listen. That helps us unfreeze. Mm. And our hearts want to listen to the melodies and letting your soul listen and letting your mind listen. And that's a good, really good beginning practice to bring consciousness into your listening.
0: Okay, let's go. Okay,
1: let's do it. So let's start with rhythm. So to listen to rhythm with your body is to start by almost resisting moving and notice in your body where the rhythm calls you to move. And then let that move a little. And it might even be just, you know, how people unconsciously tap their fingers to the beat or tap their feet. But it could be as wild as getting up and dancing. It's just to let yourself be part of the rhythm through your body.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely, it was fun to pause and wait and then see that my head wanted to uncontrollably yeah. <laughs> yeah. move along with the drum. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. Great, now we'll do the flute. So now let's practice conscious listening to melody. And that's listening with the ears of the heart. So take a minute and imagine that your heart is listening. Really, our hearts really are listening a lot. It's our emotional center. And I'm going to play the flute for you to experience this. And I'm improvising so that I'm really sharing who I am through this flute for the heart centered listening. So, now let's have a practice of harmony and listening from the soul. And the soul is that place of eternal sense of ourselves that is often connected to faith music, or we even have a saying of soul music. You know, things that touch our soul that connect us to the divine. So, this is the harmony.
0: How do I listen from my soul? Where am I tuning into physically, or help me with that a bit?
1: Well, a lot of people feel their soul in different places. You know, some people feel it more in their heart center. Some people say it's more in a kind of a deep place around their navel, or some people experience the soul as a sense of a presence around them, mm-hmm. not only within the body. It kind of transcends the physical and becomes more of our our extended self.
0: Okay, let's so get it to go. So it's kind of up to you. Yeah.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be playing an instrument called the strumstick. And that's because harmony happens in chords, in the interaction of the notes. And I may even incorporate some singing to extend that harmonizing. For the practice of silence, letting our minds listen for the space between the notes and what I call musical silence. You know, we wouldn't just sit here in silence. There's actually a way that music can help us fall into silence. As Jill Peirce says, the purpose of sound is silence. Mm. So as we dive into that polarity, we listen for where the singing bowl dies off, the sound quiets, and we let that focus of that single sound focus our mind. And I use also the wind chimes because that free sound helps quiet the mind. We remember the space like air blowing through the wind chimes. Here we go for silence.
0: As I was listening, Christine, I was reminded of your answer to my question of why bother paying attention to these four different elements of music in a discrete way. And one of your responses, and it surprised me, was beauty, to appreciate beauty. And I felt surprised when I heard that. And in listening, I thought, you know, that's something in our culture that almost we don't seem as, you know, valuable enough or something like that. Like, beauty, what's that? You know, I mean, it needs to be operational. It needs to give me something productive or concrete. But here we were, just beauty itself. I'm wondering what you feel about that. Mm.
1: It reminds me of a Cherokee chant that says, I walk in beauty all around me as I walk the beauty way. And just this Native American perspective that beauty is so important and to take time to breathe it in. And when we start to see it, but what I think is important is when we start to hear it, we start to feel it in ourselves. You know, we recognize that in ourselves, which is what we're identifying outside of us. So that's how that mirror starts to change us on the inside. We remember our beauty.
0: Mm -hmm. There's an idea that you introduced in the Music Medicine book of reunion grief, that sometimes when... We're reunited with something in the context of this conversation that we find really beautiful. We can actually feel a grief response. And I noticed that while I was listening,
1: and I'm curious what you think about that. It's such an interesting principle in psychology. I was glad that I learned it because it explained years and years of people walking up to me after my workshops with smiles on their faces and tears in their eyes saying, I don't know why I'm crying what just happened to me? Um, this is this idea that when you miss someone, you're waiting to pick up an old friend at the airport. You know, it's counterintuitive. You should cry while they're gone, right? But no, we cry when they land and they hug us, and then there's tears of, of reunion grief. Because it's not until we have it back that we notice how much we've missed it. Mm-hmm. So it's that re- reunion, which is kind of like the principle of remembering, which is a big part of Sufi practices, how we language that practice is we're just remembering, we're just reuniting. The tears are good. They're a sign that you're becoming whole.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I want to pick up a thread of our conversation, which has to do with music medicine as a force for bringing the world together especially in areas of conflict. And I know you've had quite a bit of experience, specifically with drum circles in areas that are beset with conflict. And I wonder if you can tell us a little bit about that.
1: I think what gives me a lot of confidence in this work is what experience I had in Iraq in 2007 of going literally into the war zone with warring groups that spoke different languages and bringing them together with drum circles. But interestingly enough, we found that it wasn't just a drum circle that worked. It really brought in the music medicine perspective to me because we wanted to bring in the melody. People were actually saying to us by the second day, I don't feel the grief is being expressed from the healing that needs to happen. Um, from the years of war and genocide. So they brought in the violin and started playing you know these beautiful melodies on the violin, and then we would add the drums. Um, and what I observed there was the ability to have soul-to-soul connection through music and sound really reduces the sense of conflict. And if it can work in a war zone, to me this can really work in places where we have conflict today and gang activities. It can work in really cross-culturally, because when you think about it, there's no other tool that allows for such powerful, in the moment, immediate cross-cultural dialogue.
0: So tell me how you go about this, how you go into an area, let's say, where there are two groups that are in conflict. How do you create a drum circle? What do you do?
1: The first thing you do is you pay attention to where you're meeting, and you find a neutral place. You can't be in that house or the other house, and you find a, a neutral place. And the next thing you do is you empower people immediately to participate. You know, change doesn't happen by just sitting and listening and watching. We wanted to partic- have people's engagement. So the next thing we did is an activity of handing out shakers. We didn't hand out drums right away. And I started playing some rhythms on my drum and had everybody play their shakers. That's an icebreaker. And slowly, I stood up and I pointed to the drum and basically said, someone else play. And someone stood up and played. And in that kind of non-languaging, I indicated, you're actually the leaders. You know, we're going to follow each other here. And you gradually build that culture of participation and shared leadership. So even though it looks like it's about music, it's really not. Mm -hmm. It's really about these principles of really nonviolent communication in a sense, because where harmony comes into play is that people really want to make good music together. I mean, they don't really want to sit down and make chaotic, horrible music. There's a drive for that beauty. So when we work cross-culturally, we slowly build towards rhythms, and we do something called call and response. And I love that because you play a beat and everyone echoes it back to you. And when you think about that, that demands listening, That demands leading and following, but it really is validating to a person. So we have people lead, call, and response. And then we work our way towards cross-cultural sharing. And that's a really important piece. So at that point, we say, bring in a song from your culture and teach everyone. But it's important that we don't do that first. We wait until there's a sense of community that's been built through the drums, through the camaraderie, through the sharing, and then we bring in the cultural rhythms, cultural songs. I'm doing this work with refugees in El Cajon, California right now, and some Iranian women were, were there with some Iraqi women. So the Iranian women were sharing songs from their culture, the Iraqi women were sharing dances from their culture, and that is peacemaking. Mm-hmm. You know, in the movie, The Ten Questions for the Dalai Lama, they ask him, How can we make peace? And he says, More music festivals. Mm-hmm. So I think that music has a natural tool for listening, for appreciating one another's cultures, and for co-creating something that is improvised and now in the moment. So everybody owns that and feels part of it.
0: I'm curious, in all of your travels, and I know you've been to many different countries throughout the world, what has happened that has actually surprised you the most? Just pure surprise. Never would have expected that.
1: Lots of times. (laughs) I feel like I'm in constant surprise of the power of this. Um, One that pops in my mind is sitting in the airport in Bali, waiting to come home. And I find this over and over that in my life, it's not always in the planned programs. It's in between them. But because I'm traveling with my instruments, I'm in an airport. And I'm waiting and the plane's delayed and there's agitation and there's, you know, the energy that happens under those conditions. And, you know, you're in an international airport, so you have a lot of different cultures and sitting in a waiting area. And I'm bored, so I pulled out my strumstick guitar and started playing without a word being spoken. A man came over from the back corner, pulled out a ukulele and started playing with me. And before I knew it, we had people gathered around us. We started singing. Someone started singing a chant, another person started dancing, and this airport turned into a moment of, you know, celebration, actually, and joy. Everyone forgot about the airport and the airplane being delayed. And by the time they were making the announcement, can we please get on the airplane? It was a complete different energy. I wish I was with you when my planes were delayed. (laughs) I'm always, I said in the book that I practice random acts of music because I carry a small flute with me because I never know if I'm going to be stuck someplace. Um, It's amazing to see what magic can happen.
0: Hmm. Now, I want to end on this note, Christine, by talking about a point you make towards the end of music medicine that really touched me. And it was talking about the journey from being a performer of music to a reformer. And here's what you wrote. A performer plays an instrument. A reformer becomes an instrument. A performer gets applause. A reformer gives applause. A performer uses talent to be a success. A reformer gives talents to make a difference. A performer entertains an audience. A reformer transforms a community and even the world. And I'd love if you could say a couple things about your own journey from being a performer to becoming a musical reformer.
1: It's challenging because when you have had experiences as a performer, it can be very Mm ego-tempting. I mean, you're on the stage, people love you, you get applause— Um, I think it's been a particular level of ego death and a level of the desire to serve. And that's what shifts you from understanding the value of music is like when you go into a community and you get an opportunity to see the impact that has. There's great luminaries that I point out in the book, Michael Franti's work around the world, you know, just going to Israel and singing with his guitar. Um, And that's really making use of our talents. You know, Michael Beckwith always says, your gifts are not for you, they're for the world. And I think we're in an age right now where many performers are becoming reformers because music is such a powerful tool to unite people. We saw this with um, what happened in Egypt with people singing and dancing together in the streets and the creation of freedom songs. We've seen this with our own freedom songs in our culture. So for me, the the personal journey came as a music therapist, seeing what music could do to help others, and becoming more selfless and becoming more appreciative of ser- serving with these musical gifts. That really took it to a whole other level, going to Iraq,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that pushed me. I mean, I was definitely, I said yes to the opportunity, but I know that I had a lot of fear that I had to overcome. And in that experience, I got to really understand those four principles that came to me through that work, is really those people I trained in Iraq went back to their communities, and they became reformers. And they were very talented artists who then said, oh, not only is it about developing my talent and gifts, it's about how do I serve? Mm -hmm. And that's a real important piece of spiritual development.
0: Yeah, you write that you went from being a go-getter to being a go-giver, And I thought that was so beautiful.
1: Yeah, well, it really is what we give that we get to keep and that means the most. When you give music, something amazing happens. I mean, it amplifies, like that moment in the airport. You know, it just amplifies and it creates a blossoming of everyone participating with their gifts. Wonderful. To end,
0: you know, sometimes I ask spiritual teachers if they'll give some kind of blessing to our listeners, and I wonder if you would give us a musical blessing of some kind.
1: Yeah, I would. (laughs) Um, What I like to end, you mean spoken?
0: Any way it comes out.
1: Well, what I like to say is, may your heart sing a melody of love, may your body dance in the rhythm of life, may your soul harmonize with the beauty of life, and may your mind rest in the silence of peace.
0: Hache. Hache. I've been speaking with Christine Stevens. She's the author of a new book from Sounds True called Music Medicine The Science and Spirit of Healing Yourself with Sound. Christine has also created with Sounds True the Healing Drum Kit, which is a kit that actually includes a 10 inch Remo frame drum plus 24 rhythm cards. Two CDs of music that you can play along with either by yourself or jamming with other people, along with the 78 page guidebook, The Healing Drum Kit Drumming for Personal Wellness and Creative Expression. And Christine will also be with us at Sounds True's very first Wake Up Festival which is taking place August 22nd to the 26th in Estes Park, Colorado this year 2012 and Christine, I heard you made up a uh, a wake up rhythm
1: we did. How, how does it go it goes wake up pa dum dum wake up dum dum wake up dum dum wake up
0: I love it. The Wake Up Festival, it's stretching me in new ways. The Wake Up Rhythm. Uh, Thank you, Christine Stevens. SoundsTrue.com. Many voices, one journey. Thanks for listening.